Welcome to I Run Radio. Coming up, an elite athlete discovers the joy of running with a stroller. I, I really didn't find that there was much adjustment. I got used to it pretty quick, and um, as long as my son was napping or sleeping or enjoying himself, then, then uh, it was a good run. Running 2.15 miles for 215 lost children. I would say that, um, that I am really sad when I think about what those kids endured, right? That is horrific. And I, I can, you know, now that I'm a mother and, and I have my own children, I have a way of, of understanding that. And marking a big milestone with a 50K run. It just feels wonderful when you make a statement to somebody and say, I'm going to do this. You put the time in, you adjust your life, you adjust your diet, everything. And crossing that finish line is a beautiful feeling and one that's, that makes me so proud. On this edition of I Run Radio, we're going to connect with elite marathoner Lucas McEnany. He stepped away from running but rediscovered it when he started running with his newborn son in a stroller. And now he's going after a world record. Tammy Bryden ran her first 10K at 30, her first half marathon at 40, her first marathon at 50. So she decided to do something special to mark her 60th birthday. We're going to talk about that. And most importantly, we're going to chat with Chantel Richmond about a movement she's involved in to run 2.15 miles to honor the 215 children whose bodies were found at a residential school in British Columbia. This is a really important national conversation that's happening. I know you will be inspired by Chantel's words. Let's get things started with IRUN's editor and general manager, Ben Kaplan. Hello, Ben. Hey there. How are you? Ah, feeling great. So we've had a bit of a moment in in our country in the last week or so um, around the discovery of the bodies of 215 children outside a residential school in British Columbia. And we're going to talk to a guest on the show today, Chantel Richmond, who uh, is one of the people promoting the idea of running 2.15 miles uh, to show solidarity uh, for the people who are deeply, deeply affected by this. And uh, I think it's a terrific idea. And we're, and we're going to share this great conversation with you, great perspective. Chantel is um, is an Indigenous woman. She's a university professor. Uh, she's a runner. She's done lots of different events and um, really excited to share that conversation today. But I've, I've just heard so many people talking about this, and I feel, I hope, I hope it is a turning point in our understanding of the residential schools issue and our understanding of, uh, of colonialism and Indigenous relations in this country. Yeah, agreed. And actually, we have a site on uh, a story on iron.ca, which is a, a sort of similar fashion that I spoke with a couple of Indigenous runners and seeing what they are doing. There's actually an Indigenous day. I, I don't remember exactly what it's called, it's an, but there's a yeah. day in June. Um, and, and one of the guys, Joel Kennedy, whose Instagram handle is uh, indigenous underscore runner, and he's putting on a run in collaboration with Brooks Canada. And there was something in our story. There was a that that I, I just posted it, so uh, people should check it out because you know you told me an interesting fact last time we spoke that 
the virtual Tamarack Ottawa race weekend raised something like $900,000 yeah. this year. Yeah. And I dug into that and, you know, the, the Scotiabank Charity Challenge has raised so much money and that runners are really a powerful block. Incredible. And when, yeah. You know, so to have us, I think it's important that we talk about this and we talk about this to runners because when we put our mind and our wallets towards something, you know, we can really affect change. So I think it's an important uh, conversation to continue. Yeah, and you bring up a really good point because um, we we are powerful as a group and we can make change happen. Of course, going out and running 2.15 miles is a symbolic gesture. It 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 doesn't change anything about the relationship between the Canadian government and Indigenous people. It doesn't change anything about the, the plight of people living on reserves. It doesn't change anything about the families of, of children who died in residential schools. But even though it is symbolism, it it's marking the moment, and it's it's using our power in a way that we can, and it's saying that this is important, and that's the yep. start of something. It can't be the finish, but it is the start of something. Yeah, for sure. And and, and runners too, and walkers, and and yeah. our and our groups are used to using running as a platform. So we are conditioned to do just that. So I think the you know we should reflect the conversation at large in this country. You know, yeah. so it's uh, it's certainly a galvanizing moment, and there's certainly enough members of our community uh, brave enough to speak. You know, to speak. Just, just to lend their voice. And the woman in, in my piece, I really just, it was it was hard for me to write. I haven't yet discussed this with my nine-year-old daughter, but her quotes at the end were among some of the most powerful quotes that I heard. But she had, her name is Robin Michaud, and I think, I'm pretty sure she's been on the she's show She's been on the well. show, yep. Yeah, but, but she said, you know, that she is running, and it's a, she almost, not, to, not that she owes it to the children, that were buried, but that if they knew that where she was today, the freedom that she has to, to raise her voice and to put on her sneakers and to get out there and run it, it, you know, she really worded it in such a way that it was really just, you know, unbelievably powerful and really galvanizing, really powerful. Yeah. Amazing. All right. Uh, again, great conversation coming up with Chantel Richmond. Um, uh, let's talk about uh, you because I, I hear you registered for a race this fall, which is kind of a pretty big milestone uh, given everything we've been through in the last 15 months, right? Yeah, I tell you, I did. And I don't want to act like I'm selling out my uh, compatriots, but uh, the truth is I did register for an in-person event in Erie, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be in person on September 12th. And it just so happened on the day that I registered, I had a workout that night. And, it, you know, putting a race, an in-person <laughs> race yeah. on your calendar changes those workouts. You know, yeah. it really, it, you know, it, it they matter so much more. Uh, you know, it doesn't have to be that way, but just to me, to me personally, I just felt much more compelled to watch what I eat during the day before my workout. Like some of the little habits that I had gotten into at my sort of peak running that I'd kind of let slide a little bit because it didn't matter as much. But it's amazing how I just right away, like instantaneously, unconsciously, uh, a switch turned on. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Something to look forward to, right? I mean, that that's just... <laughs> Something different too, right? Something out of the yeah. ordinary. Uh, you know, it's oh, I I I feel it. I feel it. 
Some people were saying, too, that's a little ambitious. Like, do I think the borders will be open by September? Like, will they hold it? This, that, and the other. And it's like, I don't know. And I don't know if it's wishful thinking. And I, I but I did put money yeah. down behind this, uh, sure. you know, this hope. You know, I did well, put money on the table. So yeah. we'll see. You know, we, we made a decision earlier um, this week to plan out a little bit of travel for over the next year, starting starting late this year, so you know, in December, uh, to plan okay. out a, to plan out some family travel because we haven't been on a trip yeah. in in over a year, yeah. and um, yeah. and yeah, I'm I'm betting like I'm betting optimistically, right? So you know what, if things change and there's a fourth wave and I, we can't go on the trip, we'll 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 change the plans, you know. But yeah, but yeah. I'm yeah. I'm I'm choosing to be optimistic. I'm choosing to bet on. The best case scenario, well, not the best case scenario, but a realistic scenario that we can actually be going somewhere later this year, you know? So I'm, I'm making that choice and trying to be optimistic about it. Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm doing the same thing. And you would have to think that we're all paying close, you know, it's funny, all of us are armchair scientists these days. But following the uh, the bouncing balls, do you yeah. think, I mean, certainly we would have the double vaccines by then and, you know. I don't know, but yeah. Uh, yeah, but you know, running wise, and and actually, I have an interview scheduled for later on, and there'll be a piece on I Run. But I spoke to the person who sort of is the emergency preparedness uh, coordinator. I don't know exactly what his title is, but basically, he's the person who gives the thumbs up and the thumbs down to uh, whether races can be held. And uh, I was just talking to him because he told me that he has some sort of good news, so we should have a. And he didn't get into it, but we're going to do a story. Okay. But I, I, that's another, yeah. Wow. So that's a that's a preview of what's to come. But he was he was he didn't tell me a fact, but he did say he's feeling optimistic, and he knows. I, I think that's pertaining to the Scotiabank Waterfront Marathon in Toronto in October. So I don't have an announcement yet, but he's starting to feel better than he was when we cool. spoke six weeks ago. Yeah. Well, and just think how good that good news is going to feel whenever it comes, right? <laughs> whatever, yeah, whatever good news yeah. there is in the future, whatever positive announcements there are in the future, think how good it's going to feel. So we have a lot to look forward to, uh, including for you, Erie, Pennsylvania, of all places. Um, Here we go. Yeah, good stuff. Ben, thank you so much. We'll talk to you next week. I appreciate it, my friend. That's Ben Kaplan, iRun's editor and general manager. Coming up next going after a world record with a stroller. This episode of iRun Radio is brought to you by Virtual Run Canada. Check out virtualruncanada.ca. That's virtualruncanada.ca. Lucas McEnany is an elite runner and coach who has won many races, but when he and his wife started a family, he stepped away from competitive running And then he started running with his son in a stroller a few times a week. It went so well that now he is considering chasing a world record for the half marathon or marathon while running with a stroller. Lucas, it is great to chat with you. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Great to be on. So uh, before we talk about running, let's talk about this new development in your life. Uh, You you have a son now, and uh, tell me... How that's been? How fatherhood has changed your world? Yeah, it's been it's been quite amazing. Um, yeah, like obviously I'm a competitive runner for a long time, and we wanted to start a family. So my son's uh, going to be two in July, and uh, for a period there, I, I didn't run at all. I took a year off, and um, for a, not really 
with any, you know, I wasn't missing running or I wish I was running or whatever. Um, but uh, my wife got me, right before the pandemic started last March, she got me a running stroller. And and then I was like, oh, not even really thinking I was going to use it a lot. I thought, wow, you know, I'll start, uh, I'll start running. And, and then, you know, the world changed. And so I was using it all the time. And my son loved it and loves being outdoors. So we just kept going. Yeah. So you actually took yeah. a year off from serious running. Um, and, and I mean, that yeah. just, I find that fascinating because, you know, any, anybody who's become a parent um, will, will know about how it just automatically reorders yeah. the priorities in your life. And, but that's a big one for you after having been a competitive runner for so long. I mean, for you to, for you to step away like that. So uh, uh, tell me more about that. Yeah, like, you know, my personal goals I kind of set aside a while ago. I didn't, you know, running for fun was just one thing. And then when we decided we were going to have a child, it was really pretty far priority. The only running I would do was, was um, commuting or um, coaching, really. So there wasn't really any motivation for me for, for a while. And, um, and then with my son, he was, um, you know, it takes a lot of work and attention. So running, I wasn't even really thinking about it, to be honest. So, uh, yeah, not until, not until he could be my running partner. And then once he was able to, you know, be old enough and the weather was nice enough that he could, I could run with him. That's what I did. Yeah. So what were those runs like? And I mean, it must've been interesting for you as, um, as a as a competitive runner to suddenly have this stroller in front of you i'm i'm sure on many of your training runs in the past you saw other people running with strollers and you were you know this was this was a big part of your life was was running as fast as you could and and this is sort of a different environment in which to be running so tell me about some of those early runs pushing your son well the early runs would have been in march after not running all winter or running even longer, so there really wasn't any expectation. Um, so the fact that I was out was was didn't matter what what my pace was or how bad my fitness was. It was more just being able to run again and uh, and really try to find um, just the enjoyment out of it again. So um, there was no pressure and and running with a stroller. I I really didn't find that there was much adjustment. I got used to it pretty quick, and um, as long as my son was napping or sleeping or enjoying himself, then then uh, it was a good run. I mean, that's how I had I thought of it every time. Yeah, and and look, that's you know, again, coming back to the theme of parenthood, that's um, that's good quality. If you're if you're if you're with your son, your wife has some time to herself, you, you know, you're getting some exercise in. I mean, that's a win all around if you can make that work, right? No doubt. No doubt, especially during the pandemic when, you know, there's, it's easy to get kind of down on yourself. Um, I was laid off for two months when the, the pandemic first started. And uh, luckily I had, I had that running store and my son that I could, I could take him for a run every day. And yeah, and, and it was great for my wife too that she could get the breaks um, as often as possible. A break from both of us, I should say, not just him. So, so yeah, she enjoyed sure. it quite a bit. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, everybody, everybody's uh, living in close quarters these days. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. 
So tell me how it went from there, uh, because obviously, you know, this started out as, hey, I'll get a bit of exercise and and not, you know, low expectations. But obviously uh, things, you know, started ramping up from there. So tell me how the, the runs started getting faster. Yeah, I mean, I, I come from a sports science background and I'm, and I'm a pretty competitive person as in nature. So I've always... I've always maintained my fitness, though even when I wasn't running, I was still working out, so I was always always had that kind of fitness base. And then once I started running again, the cardio came back, and then once the weather's nice, I was like, oh, I like going fast, so I would start going faster, and I would start doing intervals, and I would start testing myself on uh, different distances. Even last year, I would do, you know, well, yeah, let's see how fast I can do 10K, or let's see how fast I can do 5K, and... So I'm no stranger to a bit of, uh, you know, a bit of punishment. So it's kind of, I kind of, I like it. And then, you know, once you start seeing some results, again, with very little expectation, um, you kind of, you kind of really get behind it and enjoy it. So yeah, so I keep going with it, right? Yeah, and what you just said there, I find really interesting because um, yeah. you would have been in the in in the competitive world uh, previously. You would have. Yeah you would have had high expectations for yourself and then there would have been some races where you right. didn't meet those expectations. And that's kind of a, even if, even if you're turning yeah. in a ridiculously fast time, that's still a kind of a letdown. Whereas when you, when you sort of hit the reset right. button and you go in with low expectations, then every, everything above that sort of builds this kind of momentum and it's a completely different feeling and mindset, right? Yeah. Yeah. For, no, no, for sure. I mean, yeah, there's definitely, races in the past you learn from each race right but you, you know you get down on yourself because you miss the standard or whatever by a minute or two minutes or and then uh, or you know your goal but yeah when you when you take a year off and you come back to it and you're like well you know i'm just gonna do it for fun and whatever happens happens and then you see momentum you're like wow like i didn't know i could go that fast and then you know with a bit of training and smart training for that matter and and no pressure, you can get back. I found I can get back to where I was pretty quickly. Um, you know, like even even this year, I didn't run in, at all in January and uh, February. Cause it's like, I only run with my son. I mean, I don't run by myself. It, he's, uh, he comes with me for every run. So, um, so I only started now. running again in March this year. And, and I can already feel, you know, I've made a lot of improvements since since March 1st, so. Yeah, but then, you know, every step of the way, you, you, you go a little faster, and it feels like another win, and you build on that, and, and you go a little faster. That, yeah. yeah, it's great. Exactly, yeah. So when did you yeah. get the idea of maybe trying to set some records while pushing a stroller? Well, I thought about it a little bit last year, right, where, um, you know, I did, a, I did um, kind of just for fun, a half marathon, um, around the Mississauga Marathon weekend and said, oh, you know, I could do a 119 half marathon with, you know, not very much training and not really pushing it too much. And um, so, I, th- I mean, even last year I thought about it. And then um, the summer training wasn't great. Um, we were renovating, moving into a new house and renovating, so it was hard to get more than two or three runs a weekend. But it didn't really matter because there were no races last year anyways. Um, this year just ended up being a better year for it because, well, 
fingers crossed, there might actually be real events in the fall. Yeah. And uh, we, there will be in the States. Um, and then the uh, fact that my son's a little more older and he's, he's in, he can enjoy it. I don't have to put it in a, around his uh, nap time and things like that. So um, he can he's, he can have the patience to kind of enjoy the runs. He'll point out at trucks and dogs and... <laughs> We'll chat, those kind of things. So he he really kind of embraces it more, and uh, so I think that's good. Like for him, I think it's a, it's probably the best year to do it if I was going to do it. And and yeah, like I say, the, just the past couple months and seeing how how rapid uh, my improvement has been just kind of gave me the idea that maybe I can do it this fall. Um, even just yesterday, I was kind of surprised that I. I did a half marathon yesterday, an hour and 13 minutes, and Whoa. Um, I was I was thinking I was going to be closer to 115, 116, and uh, the fact that I did it that fast just kind of showed me, okay, wow, I'm even further ahead than I thought. So incredible. And so, so yeah. let me ask this. Yeah, let me ask you this because I've run with a stroller before, but I've never tried to run fast with a stroller. How different is it yeah. having the stroller in front of you? Yeah, like, you know what, I <laughs> I don't find there's much difference. Like, maybe it slows me down 5 to 10 seconds a kilometer, but, um, and it, it, it would depend on the route as well. Like, you need a kind of flat, straight route. If there's a lot of turns and it's very technical, there's some rolling hills or whatever, it, it takes a lot more work, right? Um, but if it's a pretty flat route and... You don't have to turn very often. Like it's really, it's really smooth. Like the the running shoes are, are very smooth. There's a very little extra work that the runner has to actually do. I find, and and when you're used to it, you just get it just becomes the norm. So yeah. So what's the plan? You just ran a fantastic time in a half marathon. Um, what, what's the world record, by the way? And and tell me more about how so, you'd go so the, about chasing the Guinness it down. world record is. is um, it's set by a Canadian, Caleb Neff, and it's 111.27 for half marathon. And then for a marathon, I think it's like 231. Um, the plan would, would be, and that's like a very big plan, like it would probably do attempt something in the fall. Not sure if it was, we would attempt a half marathon or a full. Um, I'm a little anxious about trying to do a full. Like it's not the training or anything like that. It's more of the logistics of the day. Um, so much can go wrong in a marathon, especially with a, when you've got a child. Um, yeah. You might just lose, you just might lose interest, right? Yeah. Get, That's <laughs> a pretty big variable right there. <laughs> you might need a diaper change. You yeah. might need whatever, right? And it's like, um, you know, if you've got to make a pit stop and, you know, uh, get a bottle or whatever, it's, it's a lot more challenging. If it's, if it's a half marathon, you don't really think, you don't have to worry about it too much. You're not worried about them losing interest or, or becoming impatient. You just kind of, I, I think the half marathon would be easier, but um, there's, there's, it's like the marathon, it's, that's the marquee event, right? You kind of want to be able to do that one, but. Yeah, I think I think it's doable once we get a good good summer of training in, and and if we actually have an event to, to participate in, so hopefully yeah. Scotia Bank, the, the Waterfront Marathon, or something. 
Well, you're so close, but I hear you on those. I mean, there's so many variables in a marathon already without bringing a toddler into the equation. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's, that's what I'm kind of more worried about. Like, how many snacks do I need to pack in, yeah. in the stroller and for myself or him? You know, what kind of entertainment do I need to pack? <laughs> Things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, do you need a, an iPad with a bunch of, uh, of, uh, of you know, videos on it? Um, maybe, yeah. maybe maybe they can set up the aid station so they have a bottle for you and a bottle for your son, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that would be great. Yeah. yeah. It's funny because my son, he's not really interested in, in TV or, or electronics, really. He, he is an outdoor uh, child. Like, um, if I'm not at work, I'm with him. So I spend pretty much all my non-working hours with her and if it's my day off we're outside for five six hours a day like he loves being out and we'll be at the playgrounds we'll be out for walks we'll do whatever we'll go for runs and, and he enjoys it right so he's nice. uh he definitely stimulated that way which is great for for everybody uh but uh yeah so i yeah i don't know if electronic would help entertain him at all he might just <laughs> throw it aside but who knows they change quickly at that age yeah well this is pretty exciting lucas i i really appreciate you sharing your story with us and i wish you luck look forward to chatting again when when maybe you set a new record so thanks for your time today and good luck yeah thank you so much that's great that's lucas mcenany coming up next running 2.15 miles for 215 lost children This episode of I Run Radio is brought to you by Virtual Run Canada. Check out virtualruncanada.ca. That's virtualruncanada.ca. I reached out to Chantel Richmond after reading a terrific article she wrote about how running helped her cope with the loss of her father. But we ended up with a more pressing topic to discuss. Chantel is an Indigenous woman, and she's one of a group of people who are encouraging all of us to run 2.15 miles in response to the discovery of the bodies of 215 children at a residential school in British Columbia. Chantel, it is a pleasure to speak with you. Thank you for joining us today on IRUN Radio. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. And I want to talk about your running story and, and a wonderful article that you wrote about overcoming your grief at losing your father. And that story really resonated with me. I had a similar experience many years ago, um, similar circumstances, a much different kind of story. But um, but I, I think it would be best if we started by talking about an initiative that you're involved in to encourage Canadians to run 2.15 miles to honor the 215 children whose bodies were found at a residential school in British Columbia. Can you tell me about how this came together? Mm-hmm. Yeah, great. So I've, I've joined, like many people in the last year, have joined many virtual, made many virtual connections on social media. And one of them was the discovery of Native Women Running. Mm-hmm. Native Women, yeah, Native Women Running is... Um, run by Verna Volker. Uh, she is a woman uh, who, a Native woman who is living uh, right now in Minnesota, but she's originally from southwestern U.S. And she established Native Women Running to provide more representation of Indigenous people in the running community. 
And um, so I just gravitated toward this area because as a Native person, you know, I don't see a lot of representation uh, among Indigenous people anywhere in, in the running community. And so I just love to see these, these images of women who are, you know, running for all sorts of reasons and not, and not just about, you know, maintaining their own health and wellness, but uh, about their communities and, and, and running in prayer, right? And um, so Verna and I were talking on Saturday about how we could gather people around this initiative and we decided to create a social media post on native women running to 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 bring people in to stand together all runners and walkers um in solidarity um with the children who who never you know made it home from residential school and all the kids who were affected by uh, and families who've been affected by the legacies of of the indigenous re- or sorry the indian residential schools yeah and and wh- how did you land on this idea of of having people run because i i feel like everybody wants to do something and i know these gestures are symbolic and there's all kinds of action that needs to be taken uh-huh. as well but but within those symbolic gestures i think there is there is some value for people to fe- to have a sense that they're they're supporting something they're they're demonstrating their solidarity yeah great point and this was one of the the first kind of critiques, right, that Verna and I said was, is this just another, you know, yeah. <laughs> the next thing? Um, and how do we make it, um, how do we make it functional? How do we make it so that people can, uh, you know, learn more, take action? And so what we did outside of asking people to run with us and to post their images um, was to learn. Right. So we are encouraging people um, to learn as much as they can. So we provided a bunch of websites um, of Indigenous organizations in Canada that people can go to to learn more about the history of Indigenous residential schools. And if they feel, if they are able to, that they can also make monetary donations uh, to those organizations who work every single day to support Indigenous people um, who've been affected by by this tragedy and and continue to be affected by it today. So what are you encouraging people to do? We're encouraging people to, um, to run, right. And to stand in solidarity with native people, whether you're, you are a native person in the U S or if you're a native person, you know, somewhere else in the world, or if you're an allied, allied person. But we also want people to know that, um, that we can't just post, our social media, our, our, we can't just post our photos. We need to learn more about these histories. Because I, you know, in the past week, I have been, you know, as an Indigenous person, as a, as a Anishinaabe person, person from Northern Ontario, you know, I have family members who attended residential schools. And as, you know, as a, as a person who ha- whose life has been, impacted by colonialism you know throughout throughout my life yeah um i i don't have the pleasure of like turning off the news or not liking a social media post like what i do every single day is affected by these processes and affected by 
the change that is either happening in our country or is not happening. And I think as we learn more, as we create structures that will support equity for all Canadians, including Indigenous people, we're actually going to create places where Indigenous people can find belonging and, you know, create the structures for people to overcome, um, like, this really sad history and so that actually does become a history. Because right now we see so many, like, Indigenous lives that continue to be... um, a result of ongoing processes of colonialism. The more people who learn about um, Indian residential schools and other forms of colonialism, uh, the more likely it is that we're going to put an end to this. Yeah. Have you? And I, I think this is the thing: was we're learning, like as a public, as a, a humanity, we're learning about this history. Yeah. And, and we we all have a role to play. Have you run your, I know you run often, so, and I'm sure you run more than a couple of miles at a time normally, uh, but have you run specifically your 2.15 mile run yet? So I actually ran it this morning. Okay. So how did that, how did that feel? What, what were you experiencing? What were you thinking about? I have to say, you know, it's, I was sad. I'm sad, and I have to say that this whole week, I've had a really hard time putting into words how I feel, because, you know, so many Canadians are shocked, and they're heartbroken, and they're surprised, and for so many Indigenous people, this is a reality we know, right? And so, I would say that um, that I am really sad when I think about what those kids endured, right? Um, that is horrific. And I, I can, you know, now that I'm a mother and, and I have my own children, I have a way of, of understanding that. And, and I think this is what the way that we uh, we will connect with Canadians in general is, is you know, we have the, our children are our most precious gifts and we have uh, hopes and desires to see them thrive in the world and when we think about um about what these children went through it's it's, it's very sad and um i just kept i you know i just couldn't um i couldn't stop thinking about what that would feel like um in today's you know day and age and and to have my children taken from me and to know that i was maybe never going to see them again so i'm also really hopeful though i have to say and you know as a scholar, as somebody who, who works every single day um, on matters around Indigenous health and, and thinking about uh, environmental change and processes that are, that are changing Indigenous people's relationship and understanding of health, um, we're seeing big changes, right? We're seeing the growth of Indigenous people and Indigenous scholars in universities and in leadership positions, and to me, that is very exciting. So I'm really hoping that um, as we learn more as a society, as we continue to share our histories and, and our knowledge, um, that the, the, the things that we've learned about this week will become things that actually are a part of our history and, and don't continue. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I can only imagine, uh, what you would have been experiencing on that run, um, 
and can you can you tell me about running in your life? It, uh, you wrote that you you've been running for a long time. Um, tell me about the role that running has played in your life. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, running is running is pretty important for me. I am a a multitasker. I have a lot of things on the go, and I have a busy family and a busy career. And for me, running is kind of like. It's the thing that helps me set everything right, <laughs> to set things straight. Um, it is it is really a therapy. It's a free therapy for me as long as I can make the time for it. Um, it's a quiet time, and it's also a hard time, right? Because I, I think I go out and I have a lot of deep thoughts and am away so it's good for me to to not be with others I do like running with other people for like some of those like you know those really long runs but um but really it's nice to just have my space and time alone we in London here we have a really great path system and we run along the river which is Deshkenzibi right that's the name of the Thames River in Anishinaabe Moan and I love it that I can run along that river and and just get away um, and be alone and be quiet and just feel my heart beating and knowing that I'm doing a really good thing for my body. Yeah. Well, and now, you know, you're doing something with your run today. You, you did something really special as well for your people um, and for our country. And I hope more and more people... Uh, do exactly that um, and and show their support and solidarity. Um, you know, I I want to I want to give the the proper attention to this issue and also the proper attention to the story of your dad. So I wonder if you'd be okay coming back another time to talk about your father because um, because that's a, a really powerful story in itself, and I uh, I think. If we leave the focus today on this 2.15 mile run, and perhaps we have you back another time, we can we can talk about uh, running and grief um, and how you experience that. Would that be okay? Oh, that would be fine. Okay. Um, so, Chantel, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate your perspective, and I'm I'm really glad I I got connected with you this week in particular, so we could talk about about this and share it with other runners. So thank you very much for your time and your thoughts. Well, thank you very much for having me. And I just want to reiterate that the more people that do the 2.15, the merrier. Like I I think that right now is is a time when we're all really, you know, there's a lot of sadness and there's a lot of heaviness. And I, I think that for many running is is a way for us to, you know, to, um, to unpack our thoughts, right. And, and to kind of find, find a space and time. And it's not just a time for indigenous people. I think more importantly, it's a time for our non-indigenous, uh, friends, uh, and allies, um, to think about these bigger matters because we all have a role to play in, in, uh, building a, a better, brighter future for Canada. That's so well said. I really appreciate this. Thank you, Chantel. Okay, thank you, Mark. That's Chantel Richmond. Coming up next, running 50K to mark a big milestone. 
This episode of I Run Radio is brought to you by Virtual Run Canada. Check out virtualruncanada.ca. That's virtualruncanada.ca. Tammy Bryden ran 10K when she turned 30. She ran a half marathon when she turned 40. She ran a marathon when she turned 50. And now she's gone even farther than that to mark her 60th birthday. Tammy, thank you very much for joining us today. Well, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. So let's go back to when you turned 30 and you decided to run a 10K. Have I got the story right? That's right. Okay. So I started um, I started running in my 30s and I ran my very first 10K of many 10Ks uh, in my 30s. Okay. And from there, and, and at that point, were you sort of hooked on running? Were you enjoying it? Tell me more about that. Well... You know, I knew nothing about running, absolutely nothing. I just kind of took it up and thought, I think I want to try it. I knew nothing about wearing proper running shoes or clothing or anything, and I found out, you know, the hard way that I should wear sweatproof clothing and that kind of stuff. But I loved it. I loved how it made me feel, and I loved how I slowly got faster and faster. So when I turned 40... Um, I continued running, and I ran my first of many half marathons. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember the feeling when I was closing into the finish line, and I started crying. And I was crying because I was so proud, and it was just, it was an incredible feeling. And I remember at that point saying, I want to do this again. Mm. And so I just kept running. And then when I turned 50, I really wanted to mark that 50th birthday with something special. And I committed to train to run my first marathon. And how did and that go? I traveled. It was, fan- it, it was fantastic. I traveled to Paris, France. And I ran the Paris, France marathon. Wow. My husband came to support me. My sister came to support me, and my brother-in-law came to support me. And I saw them uh, five times along the route. And when I finished, I'm telling you, I could have gone dancing. <laughs> it, wow. It, it was It was fantastic. It was, um, it really was a highlight for me. I was so proud of myself, and um, I enjoyed every moment of it. I took pictures along the route, and um, I said to myself, I want to do another marathon. And it was the start of me doing many more marathons throughout my 50s. Okay. And then you had to do something special when you turned 60, right? That's right. So I recently turned 60, and COVID sort of put a damper on things. Obviously, I couldn't go to an international event or do anything. And um, I have a really special friend that, um, you know, suggested, why don't we do an ultramarathon? And I'm like, I don't know if I can do that. You know, I'm not sure if that's in me. Um, In my head, I was saying that. But as I was running, I was thinking, well, maybe I can do it. Maybe I can just, you know, one foot in front of the other. And the commitment was made uh, to do it in March. 
And on May 29th of this year, I completed my first ever ultra marathon. Wow. And, and, and how it, was, did, it was fantastic. Yeah, tell me all about it. How did it feel? Oh, my gosh. Okay. What was so special about it was that um, even with COVID, it was made special because we um, lined up our route with signs. There were people throughout the route that were rooting us on. There was cowbells. Um, we had music along the route. We had somebody that was our fuel person, who happened to be my husband, um, to make sure every couple of kilometers we had fuel. We had, you know, Gatorade and water and bananas and cliff bars. And um, it, it was fantastic because... Each time I was getting closer and closer to, you know, another kilometer, I was like, wow, I'm doing this. I'm doing this. And my son-in-law came and ran with us at the 28-kilometer mark and spent five kilometers just filling our heads with positive vibes. And we had a professional photographer there that captured our whole uh, route and closing into the end of the uh, 50 kilometers, I could hear people cheering us, and everybody was sort of doing the COVID, you know, circle. Sure. And um, my son-in-law videotaped the whole part of us running and crossing a ribbon. Wow. Um, and completing... <laughs> So I mean, kilometer run, fifty kilometers. That's incredible. So and and this was no sort of ordinary virtual run. It was it was as close to an event as you could get during the pandemic. I think it was so close to the event that because I wanted it to be special, uh, it was my friend uh, Karen Dowdle's first ultra as well too. But on top of that. Um, Three hours after we started, there were two other girls that were running their very first half marathon. So I made sure that we had running bags, complete with, you know, like a little gift inside, uh -huh. Epsom salt for afterwards, wow. <laughs> just like you would get if yeah, you were doing a race that. kit. Beautiful. So did you, uh, I mean, how did you feel when you finished? That's a long way to run. How, how did you feel when you finished? There are two times in my life where I felt such joy and pride and elation. My first was when I ran my first marathon, and my second was running this. I still feel that wonderful feeling in my body. Um, as I was telling people I you know, was sharing my story with, I feel sort of drunk with happiness and pride. It's, it's an incredible feeling and one I can't really describe because very few people um, have done that. And I'm not, you know, I'm not a super fast runner. I'm not, you know, a star athlete, but I am a proud runner. And anybody can accomplish it if they put their mind to it and put the time in because you really do have to do the training before the event. Yeah. Well, and you you say you're a proud runner. You have a lot to be proud of. So the obvious question, Tammy, is what's next? You, you've you run 50K for your 60th birthday. Where do you go from here? 
Well, you know, I was talking to my husband, and he was saying, you know, there's the 50K, then the 75K, and then the ultra, you know, the 100K. And, of course, I haven't committed to anything yet, but um, I certainly know I'm going to continue and um, look at probably challenging myself once again. Uh, It just feels wonderful when you make a statement to somebody and say, I'm going to do this, you put the time in, you adjust your life, you adjust your diet, everything, and crossing that finish line is a beautiful feeling and one that makes me so proud. Well, you should be very proud. It's a huge, huge accomplishment, Tammy, and you describe it so well. Congratulations. That's fantastic. I can't wait to see what you do next. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much. I appreciate the opportunity. That's Tammy Bryden. I hope you can join us next week on I Run Radio. We will have more stories of running in these unusual times. In the meantime, please stay safe. Thank you for listening. Have a great week.